Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Welcome into Circle City Cinema. Loki recap with Alex Burr. Alex, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, what an amazing episode of Loki. Like top tier, honestly. Best one. Best oh, one my, so far. Best MCU episode so far of the of this new run. Listen, listen. I, I don't think pruning means death, as we found out, but uh it felt like it. It felt like death. It felt like, you know, spoiler alert, um, which we, again, we keep forgetting to do, but spoiler alert, they prune Owen Wilson. It's like, wow. Wow. Pruned Loki. They pruned Loki. It was a really, really just, like, honestly, Zach, you know, we talked last week, right, about how, you know, the exposition was necessary, right? And the exposition got us to this point. Actually, before we start, I, um... I was reading that, you know, Alan Seppenwald, uh, he's the yeah. head TV writer for um, for Rolling Stone. He wrote, I was reading his review and he, you know, people were, you know, you know, rightfully could complain that the first three episodes were really exposition heavy. They were really slow. But this is what he said in his review. And I thought, you know, it was really, really important point. That sort of deliberate storytelling is a delicate thing. Do it right. And you have something like The Wire, Breaking Bad, or even the most recent season for all mankind. The early chapters seem a bit slow, but entertaining enough. And then when the plot really starts to move, everything feels so much more rewarding because of the time the creative team invested putting the pieces in place. Do it wrong and you have, well, the great majority of dramas in, of the streaming era, including most of the pre-Feige Marvel shows. Slowness used to pad the, story, pad the story rather than enhance it in an endgame that makes the whole feel like less than the sum of the series parts rather than more. And I thought, I think that's a really good way to encapsulate this episode like this episode in this show and you can include the first two uh Feige shows too like it felt like sometimes it was going slow just to you know have more content rather than for the sake of the show and I, I thought that's what really worked in this like this season so far I know there's still two episodes left but this kind of felt like a huge crescendo and we're gonna get more <laughs> well WandaVision for sure felt like that especially the first couple episodes where it's like what are we doing here you know, I get the I get the classic sitcom format, but I'm not really getting many answers. And it was nine episodes, so they kind of had to do that. But he's right. He's right with this. They don't, they're not wasting any time. We only have two weeks left. And I can't wait to see what happens next week because it ends with Loki, quote unquote, dying. So obviously we find out in the mid credit stinger. That's not the case. It is not the case. No, but, but I have, <laughs> I don't know if we're doing what we watched this week, Zach, but I actually managed, you know, NBA, as you know, took a little bit of a downturn. I had some time this week. Yes. Time to watch some movies. So I watched, I, I kept, I was a man of my word. I watched Deadpool last week. I watched uh, the big Lebowski this week. And by the way, I texted you this, but there's a lot of movie, a lot of parts in that movie that don't get the love it deserves. But I'd say probably one of the funniest lines I've ever heard is she's my lady friend, man. She's just trying. I'm just trying to help her conceive. <laughs> like, telling someone to, telling that to someone in public is one of the wildest fucking things you could ever say. It, <laughs> 
And I mean, also, I've been doing the Sam Elliott line. Um, sometimes eat the bar, and well, much obliged. Sometimes the bar at each you. I've been <laughs> been saying that a lot. And then I watched Toy Story too. Nice. It was nice. um, it's a lot faster than I remembered, but I. I watched that so much as a kid, I knew like the beats internally of the movie, and I hadn't seen it in probably ten years. Wow! So I like I watched that movie a lot as a kid, and it, it showed like I knew you know kind of like the beats of the movie. I knew when the lines were coming. It was kind of fun, you know, to relive that childhood experience. Anything you watched that's been great recently? Uh, no, I've been actually playing Spider Man uh, on PS4. I I played it last year. Uh, when the lockdown first started, I would stay up until like 4 a.m. just playing it. And now I picked it back up in an effort to unlock all the suits, Alex. This is bizarro world where I'm the one watching more movies than you. <laughs> I don't know what world we're living in, but I also uh, watched two episodes of Curb last night. and I didn't, you know, fast forward through the whole thing. So I'm considering that progress. Nice. So nice. Very nice. <laughs> funny show funny show and i, I think i'm gonna stick with it this time well uh alex let's uh get in the plot i'm actually not gonna run through it all i'm just we just i think we should uh try something new and go through it as we go what do you say I, I like that idea all right so we start out the flashback to sylvie's childhood on her version of asgard this was a uh, this whole like five minute scene was a uh, pretty tough Pretty good origin story, though. Uh, the TVA, led by Ravona Renslayer, takes her away. Sylvia escapes, of course, much to everyone's dismay. And C20, the uh, the TVA agent that Sylvie took over her mind, we learn she's dead. And that's part of a cover-up. So, Alex, the cover-up will surely be addressed in the next two episodes, especially after we learn uh, the timekeepers are frauds, basically. (laughs) They're the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they are. They're the Wizard of Oz, but the flashback scene, something the show has been doing really well. And, you know, what's the main thing they tell you as a writer, right? Show, don't tell. This show is doing a really good job of show. Don't tell like the flashback scene. You know, we don't really there's not a whole lot of like, yes, there's exposition in the terms of like Loki talking to either Mobius or Sylvie. But other than that, like the show isn't really strangely. It's not that exposition heavy. Like you're not getting a whole lot of like, oh, drawn out explanations of how things work. And I think it's working because it's making it more interesting for the rest of us. Now, I'm assuming there's going to be an exposition dump at some point in the next two episodes. But it was really cool to see Sylvie's backstory. Like, and, you know, she went through the same process that Loki went through, but did you see how small her stack of papers was when they were doing the, everything she said for her whole life? Like, it's like, I was listening to the, uh, you know, the ringer does those reaction pods and they were wondering like, what, I'll just ask you now. Cause they, Sylvie asks Ravona about this later in the episode, but what do you think Sylvie's Nexus event was? Do you think it was her just being a woman? Like, do you think it was her, you know, maybe idolizing good guys in the Valkyrie? Like, what do you think it might have been? 
Well, the easy guess would be it was this, but I don't think it was because uh, Renslayer would have remembered that for sure. I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what it was. Maybe their version of Ragnarok or something. I I don't know. I don't know. She did like the Valkyries. I did notice that too. That was interesting. Um, yeah. Again, we don't get a whole lot of time with uh, Sylvie on Loki. No. On, on Asgard. Don't even get to see any of her family. No. She's, she's just in a room by herself playing with her toys as a kid does and then just abducted. And maybe I don't I, I don't know what her crime could have been. You know, maybe all Lokis are predestined to be like Tom Hiddleston's Loki. But it's it's kind of weird that predestiny plays such a big part in the um in the show. I don't know. I think it's I think it's kind of cool. Are that kind of cool? I think it'll be cool to see how they combat that in the last two episodes. Maybe whatever Nexus event was happened, like not too far, not too far off from what age she was when they took her. If that yeah. makes any sense? Because why Maybe. would you take her if she was just a kid? Exactly. Like, what could she have done? You know, maybe Loki's not supposed to be a woman. You know, maybe something like that. I don't yeah. know. Who's to say? But I thought it was real interesting. You know, just watching that whole process, and then Ravona lets her get away. Maybe Loki, maybe like Thor dies at a young age or something, and Loki takes over Asgard. Maybe something like that. You never know, folks. But Alex's cover-up is very interesting because a lot of people bite the dust when they find out about it, just to keep it covered up. C twenty, one of the first victims of it. C20, she never stood a chance. Um, <laughs> in this evil bureaucratic world of the CVA, I mean, she never stood a chance because they were going to be exposed, right? It's not dissimilar. I don't, I don't know. Like a lot of, you know, leaks aren't handled well by a lot of companies, you know, sometimes. Sometimes you go to jail. Sometimes you have to go to Russia, you know, for your crimes because so you won't get extradited. Um, sometimes you we, get fired as GM of the Sixers. <laughs> Those weren't leaks. Those were just bad tweets. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian Colangelo ruined the Sixers. Don't don't at me. Um, yeah, I mean, leaks generally aren't looked upon favorably. And but the funny thing was, Hunter B fifteen still like she didn't say anything. No, but you know you could still see the doubt on her mind through the whole episode, and. A C20 just, you know, unfortunately she had to pay the price. B15 is so strong. Never found her, did they? No, they didn't. Yeah. She's still running around free. Good. Well, no, B15, remember she came up the elevator and she uh she gave Sylvia her knife. Oh, yes. That's and right. they knocked her out. Yep. Yep. B15, what a hero. What a hero. Uh Loki and Sylvie, last time we saw him we're about to die in the Lamentis One apocalypse, but they are retrieved by the TVA. I didn't use the word rescued because I wouldn't say that was a rescue. <laughs> nah, they just were like, "You're about to die. Come here." <laughs> we we need you. We don't want to save you, but we need you. Uh, Loki and Sylvia, Alex, a little romance. What do you think? It's something. I don't know how to, I'm not going to lie to you. 
I think I've admitted on here and other podcasts before my brain is a little simple when it comes to certain concepts. And I just, I can't wrap my mind around being with the literal you just, <laughs> just being wanting to be with yourself. I don't know. It doesn't make perfect sense though for Loki. It makes, it makes perfect sense for Loki, but just like logistically, I can't like Owen Wilson said it perfectly when he was interrogating Loki, like what sick, demented, sociopathic, like all those adjectives were like really really they were really good adjectives to describe you know what it was and listen i think they'll go for it (laughs) i think that they uh i think i heard mallory rubin say that the director said that this was the plan all along to make it a love story so it seems to be the direction which they're going so i guess you know whatever objections i may have they're they're rolling through with it it's happening the little Little uh, touch on the wrist before they were about to die from Sylvie made a move on Loki. I mean, you know, and it uh, it created the ultimate, the ultimate nexus event. I think it was <laughs> where like it just the line shot straight up, and I don't think that had ever happened before. What caused the nexus event? Horny. <laughs> That's what caused it. Loki couldn't keep it in his goddamn pants. <laughs> Uh, so they're taken into custody like they never left. Loki tells Mobius TVA is lying to him. And Mobius yeah. Mobius believes him. Alex. Mobius believes him, but he can't say that he believes him. Mobius, like, is, like, later in this scene, he goes, you know, I'm not going to do the impression. I'm not feeling comfortable enough with it yet, but he goes, look at you, Loki, playing checkers and old Mobius playing chess. And he, you know, he's right. Mobius is playing chess, but it doesn't change the fact that Loki's right. And, you know, Loki is the god of mischief. Loki is also in this scene, um, we get an all-time Owen Wilson line when he says, when Loki's like, oh, am I the god of being, you know, the god of frauds, like stuff like that. And then um, Mobius goes, no, you're just kind of an asshole and a bad friend. Yeah. That, that's me kind of te- beta testing the, the impression. But, like, he's right. Like, oh, Loki's right. And Mobius is, like, the seeds of doubt were already planted there by C-15 or C-20. I thought it was interesting. He called him a bad friend, but he did call him a friend. They haven't known each other very long. So I thought it, thought it was interesting. In, like, in Earth time, I think it's only been a couple days. Yeah. So a friend nonetheless. <laughs> uh, then we get Sif in Loki's time loop prison. Alex, the, when's the last time we saw Sif? I don't remember. I it's been so long since I, I looked her up because I'm like I don't remember ever seeing this woman. <laughs> so apparently, I haven't seen the first Thor in forever. And obviously, as you know, I haven't seen. I've boycotted uh, Thor: The Dark World at this yes. point. It would ruin the bit if I ever saw it. So I, you know, it it works. <laughs> So I've never. When was the last time you saw her? Was it Thor? Was it Thor in the Dark World? Was it Thor? Or was wait? Was she in? Was she in Ragnarok? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I could just watch Ragnarok a couple days or last week, and I don't remember seeing her. Honestly, I remember seeing uh, the other two guys in Thor's like little little group from the first movie. 
I would. Was she? You remember in Age of Ultron when Scarlet Witch had all those flashbacks with each Avenger? Mm-hmm. She might have been in Thor's flashback, maybe. I think that sounds right. Again, I haven't seen I've seen Age of Ultron way more recently than I've seen Thor, but I still I don't remember that. Because Heimdall was in that flashback. Uh, may, uh, maybe it was Dark World. I don't know, but I just know it's been a it's been a long ass time. It's been a very very long time. Uh, but Alex, this is literally hell for Loki. The same moment, a bad moment, I might add, over and over, for for all of time until Mobius says, "Come on out." He's I did doesn't he say like I had a glass of wine, took a bath, and completely forgot about that when we're talking about getting <laughs> punched and kneed in the balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then after God, I don't know how many times Loki breaks down to Sif. Basically says I'm a narcissist. I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. And Sif yeah, forgives him. Forgives him, quote unquote. Helps him up and passes. And then it all happens again. But Loki broke down. And then Mobius talking to one of the TVA agents. I thought I just thought this was cool. He said we brought in Kree, Titans, and vampires. So Titans, of course, Thanos is kind. Kree, Ronan's kind, and vampires, Blade. I mean, vampires. I didn't know. I knew Blade was Marvel, but now I understand what Blade is. I'd never seen the Wesley Snipes movies, but. Yeah, I mean, you love the way that they just give these little hints. Like, they've been so good at doing that the last, you know, 12 years to begin, 13 years to begin with, you know, with uh, Stephen Strange's names being listed among the threats. I don't remember what movie that was in, but they... Uh, soldier. Yeah, like, he's yeah. one of the, the biggest threats to world security. But they, like, they do such a good job of sprinkling these little hints in. And then, you know, they kind of ease you into it, and it's kind of cool. Granted, Blade is... Half vampire, but I'm counting it. I'm counting it. <laughs> the Daywalker, folks. Uh, Mobius interrogates Loki in what might be the best scene in the in the show in the episode. What do you think? I mean, there, I, I, uh, there's so many great scenes in this in this episode. I mean, it's up there. Like the conversations these two have have always been elite. Like that's we've been saying that this whole time, but. This is the scene where he says, you know, I'm playing chess and you're playing checkers. And it's like, it's part of the, you know, like Owen Wilson just kills it in this role. Like he just kills it. Like there's no other way to put it. Him and Loki just have such good chemistry together. And I think it's really, it was really such a good match for the two of them. Loki cops to the plan to appease Mobius, even though he didn't hatch a plan with Sylvie. Uh, Mobius says Sylvie has been pruned, which is a lie. Just a downright lie. <laughs> and then Loki reveals his feelings for her indirectly. Alex, there's something there. Oh, there's definitely something there. I mean, they had a connection on Lamentus One that um you can't deny. <laughs> there's something there. Mobius sniffed it out, and then he just gets railed by Mobius. As you said earlier, just of course, of course, you fall in love with yourself. It makes perfect sense. Of course, you fall in love with yourself. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> beta, like Who I said, beta testing. Fall in love with beta testing it. 
I mean, really, I mean, they're both right. You know, and I don't think Loki's used to both sides being right. I mean, obviously, you know, they're trying to play chess against each other, but Mobius is really smart. He's really smart. And it's it's such a good chess mass match and then Loki just gets frustrated and he admits you know later after that sequence that um you know all the TVA agents are variants. Yeah, he admits it to him. Mobius throws him back in the time loop and he's suspicious. Very suspicious. He's he's been suspicious this whole episode but like now you could see like I think the best part of the scene to me was after Loki says it, you see on Owen Wilson's face, like he knows, he knows but he can't admit Loki's right. No, he needs to get it from like, you know, what did we always hear in journalism school, Zach? You need at least two sources, yeah. right? You need at least two sources, and you, the first source you're getting it from is one of the most reli- unreliable narrators in the history of the universe. It's shaky, it's shaky. Zach, you're putting it way too kindly. (laughs) He is just one of the most unreliable narrators in the history of time. So, yeah, you understand why Mobius has that initial initial feeling of doubt. But you can't like I can't get mad at Mobius for throwing Loki back in the time prison once, you know, he's like, okay, you're lying to me. You're just trying to get a rise out of me. It, it makes everything makes perfect sense. Everything's logical in that sequence, which is great to see in a show. Like not all the time is the sequence logical like that. No. And it's great to see because a lot of these like law enforcement characters you see, they just don't even pay attention to what the quote unquote bad guy is trying to tell them, whether it's true or not. Mobius is. And Mobius listens to Loki, even calls him a friend like we said, and he's taking his word for it, and it pays off. Now, does he get pruned? Yeah, he does. Does he have to die for that information? (laughs) Perhaps. But he learns the truth. And maybe his death is a little more uh, satisfying. Who knows? It's... (laughs) Let's move on to the next point. I got nothing to say. (laughs) B-15 takes Sylvie away, wants to know if the memory thing is the truth, and it turns out it is. Mobius meets with Renslayer to basically confirm his suspicions of what Loki said. Tries to get answers on C-20, and he gets lies, Alex. Lies! Deception! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bogolitz! Uh... (laughs) Uh, I mean, he tries. <laughs> Ravona is so shifty, though. Like, she's really, really shifty. Like, I don't think there's really any other any other adjectives to describe it, right? Like, she's... you Surprise know, her and Loki don't get along. She's dodging picks like she's Drew Holiday. Um, <laughs> like, she's, you know, like, what? And also, she throws out that offer, like, when she's like, oh, yeah, um they're going to prune both the Lokis and the timekeepers want you to be there. And are we sure she wasn't going to prune Mobius there? Are we sure her plan wasn't to prune Mobius all along? Could have been. It could have been. 
Like she did seem in her defense, you know, I don't like her, but in her defense, she did seem uh sad to prune him when it happened. I mean, you know, maybe Ravona's a good actor, right? You have to wonder because she's definitely like based on what we know about the TVA, she's definitely a variant, right? Is she a Loki? Maybe. Huh? Maybe. <laughs> Is everyone a Loki? Is this going to be the new version of Is Everyone a Scroll? <laughs> scroll? Huh? Is she a Scroll? Maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, Ravona is, you know, I'm not going to say she's evil, but we've seen in, I think the MCU really has disdain for, um, like, bureaucratic characters, right? Like we saw it, like going back to the Winter Soldier, Alexander Pierce is the villain of that movie. And what is he? He's a bureaucrat serving Hydra, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen this all over the MCU. You know, bureauc- like they basically are like, okay, bureaucracy is the enemy of the common. They don't, they're not saying that, but they're like, basically, okay, bureaucrats can abuse their power and use it for evil. And she, that's basically what she's doing. She's risen through the corporate ranks, corporate in, you know, air quotes there, but that's basically a corporate environment. <laughs> And she's, you know, she's climbed the corporate ladder and now she's Ravona Renslayer is basically a a very highly qualified middle manager. But well, she very well might be the leader. As she we very, learn the you know, the timekeepers are just nothing. I think there's a reason they didn't prune her, right? To go to the to fast forward to the end of the episode. We're not gonna go analyze it yet, but I think that she obviously has a bigger role to play in the rest of the story. But um, to go back to the C20 scene, like the way she keeps dodging it, like you see Mobius getting more and more, um, more and more suspicious, right? Like you see, cause he keeps trying to go back to it. Like, she's like, where's one place you would want to go if you could go anywhere in the universe? And he's like, we could go anywhere in the universe. We already have that power. And like, she, you know, she's like, okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he keeps coming back to it. He's so insistent. And I think then right there is when the seeds of Mobius being pruned are planted. Like, I think it was going to happen in this episode because he was asking too many questions, right? And what happened to the C20? She was asking too many questions. What would have happened to B15 if they found B15? She was asking too many questions. Yep. So there's obviously some level of, I would say, sabotage going on. I think that... No doubt. Like, seed or Ravona just didn't want Loki to have the answers. No. And Loki did have the answers, which pissed her off. And, you know, when he's meeting with her, when Mobius is meeting with Renslayer, they switch temp pads. Mobius switches temp pads while she is uh, putting another trophy in her, into her uh, trophy shelf. <laughs> and uh, Sylvie shows B-15 her real memories and kind of an emotional scene, Alex, in the middle of the rain mm-hmm. outside of the superstore. Yeah. I mean, I think Sophia, you know, I didn't last week. You could accuse me of bashing Sophia Martino. I wasn't, you know, I just thought, um, You're I thought Mar- that casting department, I thought Natalie Dormer would have been better, but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah. I'm bashing the casting department, but she's doing a great job. I will say, Phenomenal. and she's, you know, and, but we also have to give B-15, a lot, the actress there, a lot of credit, too. Like, she's doing a really 
really good job. Like both of them really do a good job. I, everyone's doing a really good job in this whole show. Like there's not like a bad performance to me. Like, I don't think there's been, you know, like a bad acting performance and this scene just really was very emotional and heavy. And I mean, I thought it was funny that it was taking place at Roxcart, you know, back to where it originally happened. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, they went back to where it was, but I think it's, um, yeah, it was a real, it was a really good scene. Mobius sees the C20 footage and she knew that she was a variant from the uh, memories so we had been able to access. And she's gone. She's she gone, knew too much. She is gone. Mobius then sets Loki free only to get pruned. <laughs> Let's. We need to talk about this for a second. Yes. So, okay. I had texted you on Wednesday. When did you watch this episode? Because I know you didn't watch it on Wednesday. Uh, I think it was really late Wednesday night. Really late Wednesday night? Okay. Yeah. What was your reaction when this happened? Absolute shock. I was like, what? What? <laughs> I, I mean, when he was like starting to break down and said, you know where I could go if I could go anywhere? And I was like, they're going to fucking kill him. I had a fam- I'd like to know if I had a family. I'd like, to, I'd like to ride a jet ski. And then as soon as he finishes saying jet ski, she says, prude him. As soon as he said, you know where I'd go if I could go anywhere, I was like, they're going to fucking kill him. And I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. It's like, how shocked were you? I was, my jaw was on the floor. Like, you know that there are moments, like, okay, to go back to the seven wall thing I was talking about earlier, right? Like there were moments like in the wire, right? And spoiler alert for the wire, but let's just go, let's just go with the first season because you know, a lot of people are much more likely to have watched the first season, obviously spoiler alert for the wire. Fast forward about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it, but like when they kill Wallace, right? It's a crescendo. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, let's go game of Thrones. Like when I actually think, to be honest, it was like a Game of Thrones moment for me because a lot of the Game of Thrones stuff, if you hadn't read the books, came as an absolute shock, right? Like you didn't like obviously, OK, Game of Thrones spoilers. Fast forward about a minute if you don't want to hear these. But like the Ned Stark thing, right? That didn't just happen suddenly. Like, yes, it happened suddenly, but you could see the how they were building to it, right? Like it made sense why it happened. But then you go like when uh, Tyrion kills Tywin, right? That's a complete shock. Because, yeah, you don't expect Tyrion to actually kill him. That was a complete shock. Like, and there were so many of those in Game of Thrones. Or another show, The Sopranos. The Sopranos had, like, another spoiler, 30 seconds. If you a lot of spoilers, I'm sorry. But when, fast forward about 30 seconds, when uh, when Janice kills Richie April, Like, that was one of the most shocking deaths. I think that's one of the most shocking deaths. And that, like, how good this episode was, Zach. That's up there for me, like how like shocking it was. And obviously we know that pruning isn't as bad as, you know, those people got it, especially, uh, especially Richie, but <laughs> shot to the chest. The I mean, he deserved it, but uh, I didn't a cock. Richie was a cock. He didn't deserve it that way. Um, but the way that they died, like I obviously Mobius isn't going to die, but the shock value, right? Like that's something that was missing from the other shows. And I think like you weren't shocked by anything, right? We saw they were telegraphing Agatha pretty hard. Yeah. Like there was no surprises 
in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. None. No. I mean, maybe the, you know, maybe the U.S. agent, you know, or maybe I don't care. Remember, like, maybe I him decapitating somebody. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And that really wasn't that shocking because we'd seen him be aggro before. Yeah. So this completely came out of left field. I did not think they were going to, you know, prune Owen Wilson. Like you just, you don't get Owen Wilson for a show and then have him in two and a half episodes. <laughs> no, I mean, can we assume he's coming back? I have after, to think so. Uh, Loki is seen with other Lokis. I'd have to think so, but yeah, we don't, we don't know what pruning means at all. We don't. No. Like, does it mean death? Obviously does it mean you're just, sent, does it mean you're sent to some alternate dimension? Like who's yeah, to like, say like a purgatory type of thing. Who's to say, but I don't, I don't think there's any way <laughs> that they permanently killed Mobius, but just in the moment that shock value was just, it was insane. It's tough. And it was tough to watch. It was the first, let me say this. It was the first moment in these MCU, these new MCU shows that actually felt like a show. Yeah. I think we've been missing a lot of that element in the, you know, in the other shows, like we were talking about WandaVision, right? Like how it just felt slow, right? The entire time. And really, we loved WandaVision, but the climax really was a bust, Doesn't right? It seem like, like a year ago. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. But it was six months ago, Zach, that it debuted. Yeah. And the WandaVision climax was kind of a dud. Um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier climax, I mean, there really wasn't anything worth noting in the climax they both of those i'll say this this feels like a tv show that's going to have that's going to go on for more than one season those other two felt like ends to set up movies yeah they did especially especially wandavision that was setting up like what two different movies <laughs> well apparently i didn't see this but apparently i didn't see the uh clip but apparently they changed the the credit scene in uh wandavision Apparently they went they went back and they added Doctor Strange, I think I heard. You're lying. I have read this somewhere and I don't think I'm making it up. In the last episode? Yeah. Yeah, damn it. God damn it. I know what I'm doing today. <laughs> yes, I won't be able to, so you're gonna have to watch this for me. But Well, I heard this I saw this theory uh about how Loki is possibly setting up No Way Home. Mm. How you know all these rumors that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in that movie? Mm-hmm. Well, this theory is basically saying those were going to be variant versions of Spider-Man. Ah. Yeah. I'd heard, well, Mallory, you know, subscribed that maybe they're setting up that this is going to be the setup for What If too, as well. What If as well. A show that I'm looking forward to, by the way. Like, apparently, like, you know... These are all variants, right? Where T'Challa is Star-Lord, which I, you know, that'll be our last on-screen uh, Chadwick Boseman appearance. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that the No Way Home theory makes a lot of sense. And especially since, uh, um, what's the guy's, what's the guy's name who played Doc Ock? Alfred Molina. Since he, did you see Feige was mad at him? Yeah. Took a shot at him. <laughs> I don't know. You should ask Alfred. <laughs> They, listen, they don't take two. Apparently, the people on Spider-Man just love revealing the cast and spoiling things. <laughs> but now, Maguire and Garfield haven't been confirmed. And everybody on Twitter acts like Willem Dafoe is in the movie. Uh, 
but he hasn't been confirmed either. The only villains, the only people from previous Spider-Man movies that have been confirmed are Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina. So, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. I'm just worried people are going to be setting themselves up for disappointment. Would I love to see the other Spider-Man? Yes. Zach, this was a fan base that talked themselves into Mephisto being in the WandaVision. (laughs) (laughs) You can't reason with them. No, you can't. They're still better than Star Wars. Yes. Which I think there was a Star Wars homage in this uh, episode. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, let's see. Loki actually breaks down at Mobius's uh, pruning. Actually, like, sobs a little bit. I mean, he, he was in shock. Yeah, he was. And Hiddleston did a good job of showing that he was in shock. But, like, you know how I've, I always talk about, like, face acting is one of the most important elements of acting. Like, Absolutely. he looked like he was shocked. And he he looked like how I felt. And I appreciated that. Yeah, he, he looked he looked absolutely shocked and sad, quite frankly. Loki and Sylvie are taken before the timekeepers. And then Renslayer, like we talked about at the top, doesn't even remember why she was sent after Sylvie. Now, what a slap in the face. Here's the question, because she has to know, right? This is her career defining case. Right. Is she just trying to fuck with Sylvie or do you think she actually like the case was so insignificant? She doesn't remember. I think she's trying to fuck with her. There's no there's there's no other explanation. She didn't she didn't prune her like she pruned Loki. Exactly. Well, that's because Sylvie got the best of her. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end when, Mm -hmm. you know. True. But the stab in the back, literally. (laughs) Lots of homages in this episode, I'll say. (laughs) Uh, And then Alex, the timekeepers, revealed to be nothing more than androids. Um, How overrated were the timekeepers. Well, are we sure that those weren't like timekeepers and that like those just weren't the timekeepers manifestations of themselves in the TVA? Like I think they were just fake. I don't they were like placeholders for the real timekeepers. Yeah, I, I think that, I think well, I think they were speaking for the timekeepers. I don't think that they were just like automated robots who, you know, were saying all that stuff. I think that um I think they're, you know, they're all real. The timekeepers are real. They're just not actually at the TVA, which is smart. You know, you're trying to take down the TVA. You don't want to yeah, be, you, you know, you got to really hand it to the timekeepers. You know, they might, they might know a thing or two. Um, Maybe. I think that, I mean, it's kind of like the wizard of Oz, right? Where the wizard of Oz, where, you know, they, it's not real. It's not real. I think that's kind of like the gist of it. You know, they're just, they're animatronic basically. Yeah, and it was I'll admit a little disappointing. Uh but I'm looking forward to seeing who actually runs the TVA because I have no idea at this point. We got we I think we're a little past this, but let's let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to the fight scene. Because great, the fight, scene, fight to scene. Me, the fight scene to me and Zach, I know we disagree about the last Jedi, but by far the best part of that movie is the throne room scene. It is. Yeah, it is. I think and I think that either this was a direct ripoff of the throne room scene uh. or it was an homage to it. And like, 
that scene, you know, just had a lot of, and obviously it's not the same as um, Kylo and Ray, right? They're not like diametrically opposed. Like, the, you know, God, what a fucking bungling of that franchise. Um, hmm. But like, it's such an epic scene that I think it kind of overshadowed. I think that's why I like it so much is that scene is so awesome. <laughs> it was like, it's one of probably the best Star Wars scenes, like one of the top Star Wars scenes of all time. But I think that um, that the fighting scene, they that was probably the best fighting scene of this show so far. Like the show really hasn't been that great in terms of fight scenes. Like, yeah, really, I mean, we really only got the one on Lamentis, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. But this this scene was really, I really appreciated it. And I really appreciated the way, you know, those two fought together. They knocked out, um, Sylvie knocks out Ravona with a punch, I think. And then yeah. Loki, um, best the two guys fighting him. Sylvie's a better fighter than Loki. Yeah. I don't think this is a hot take. No, she is. I agree. She's had to deal with more bullshit than Loki has. <laughs> and then Loki is about to pour out his feelings to Sylvie. And then, of course, Renslayer, the fucker, prunes Loki. And Loki is met by the other variant Lokis. That was a, such a rough... Like, that was a shocker, too. This whole... I don't think the MCU has done anything as shocking. Like, use Infinity War. Well, you know, the snap. The snap was shocking, but again, you had three hours building up to that. Or uh, Stark's death. Stark's death was, you know, it made sense once you thought about it. Like this in the moment when I'm watching it, I'm like watching all this action. You go, it's been, like this episode is how Caleb describes campaign. Right? It's a roller coaster. Like. You know, one minute you're like, oh, fuck yeah. You know, Mobius is about to take over. You know, they're going to try to take down the TVA with Loki. <laughs> then the next minute, you know, you're going up and then Mobius is <laughs> Mobius is pruned. Then you're going back down. You're like, oh, fuck yeah. Sylvie and Loki, you know, they're about to take down the TVA. And then they go up and then Ravona prunes uh, Loki. And yeah. I heard that not no, homage, but it was kind of, it was pretty similar to when, uh, when Loki stabs Coulson in the back. Yeah. Pretty yeah. similar. It is. And, you know, I think the, uh, the pruning animation is cool. You know, the way they dissolve. Yeah. It is. And I think that, you know, this episode was just like, in terms of just like pure shock value, it just was crazy. Like there was so much going on in like a 12 minute span. Like this all happened in like the last 12 minutes. <laughs> I know it did. Uh, I have two shocking moments to run past you to see if they're more shocking than this. All right. Um, homecoming when Vulture answers the door. That's pretty good. That's okay. That's up there. And then ending a far from home. All right. Yeah. Ending a far from home has to go first because we get J. Jonah Jameson back. Um, then let's see I'd probably okay let's just rank them in order I'd probably go far from home first Loki second Spider-Man homecoming third but that's pretty close between the three of them like all pretty good in terms of shock value here's the theory for you Zach so obviously we know 
uh, J.K. Simmons plays both. Um, plays both J. Jonah Jamesons. Maybe it's the same J. Jonah Jameson. Maybe this J. Jonah Jameson got thrown into our timeline somehow. I've seen that theory. It's it's interesting. Maybe it's a variant, but maybe it's the same dude. Maybe. Well, here's the thing, right? But this it's show, the same dude, can it? This show takes place before. I'm way before um homecoming way before homecoming way before yeah and it makes sense it's the reason that it would take place way before far from home then like yeah. t- more than 10 years so 2012 is the mm-hmm. year and 2023 is the year with spider-man far from home yeah so maybe there were already people infiltrating the timeline and maybe somehow i don't maybe it's, it's just a theory but and not a very thought out one <laughs> but <laughs> maybe it's the same J. jonah jameson I was upset Mysterio died. I was hoping they keep him around. Yeah, they don't do a really good job of keeping their their good villains alive. They at least they kept Vulture alive. Kept him alive. They kept Loki alive for a while. We can't keep a. We can't kill Michael Keaton. We just can't do that. (laughs) Even though he definitely should have died at the in the ending fight. Yeah, there's no way he survives that. (laughs) Listen, you know they've killed too many of their villains. They kept Zemo alive. They kept Vulture alive. Who else did they keep alive? Killed uh, the Killmonger. Which is, they're going to have to resurrect him probably at some point. They're going to find a way to resurrect him, but there's no way he stays dead. Like, I I just don't see it, especially after the untimely passing, but... Red Skull, technically, kept him alive. (laughs) That's the most technical of technicalities there, my friend. (laughs) He's just a shell of himself. But yeah, they don't really do a good job of keeping their villains alive. No, they don't. And when Loki is met by the other variants, we see three or four different Lokis, if you count the uh, Gator Loki. And we get the classic look Loki from when he first premiered in the books, played by uh, Richard E. Grant, who I was wondering when Richard E. Grant was going to come up because I knew he was in this show. And I was like, where is he? Is he one of the timekeepers? No. He's actually just wearing an old Loki costume. <laughs> They've been really going back to the well on the old costumes in this show. Yeah, they have. Uh, Alex, any last thoughts on the episode? What a fucking episode. Like, this episode made all the other episodes worth it, right? Like, I'm not saying the other episodes weren't good. We agreed. Last week's episode, episode three, was by far the worst of these four. It's not its fault. It's just really, you know, dialogue heavy. This one was dialogue heavy, sure. This this whole show's been dialogue heavy, but it had Game of Thrones levels twists. And it's I'm not trying to use I'm not trying to be hyperbolic when I say that. Like you really don't see these twists coming at all. Like I didn't no. see I didn't see Mobius getting pruned, right? I didn't see you know, Loki getting pruned. I didn't see the timekeepers being androids, right? That stuff, I just didn't foresee. And I have to give the creative team, obviously they need to land the plane, right? This has been a constant problem (laughs) with the last two series and, you know, some of the movies as well. They need to land the plane. Yeah, but I think they will. I think they will. I've seen enough from this, the show where I feel comfortable saying that the ending will be better than the other two shows. Yeah, I agree. Like it's just, 
the show is so well done. I really have to give them their props. They've really, they've blown my expectations away. Like, and you know, I was really hyped for the show. If I recall, I had it in my top three or four yeah, when we so were doing that. when we were doing the lists. And when we started WandaVision, that feels like a year ago. But yeah, it does. I mean, this uh, like I don't know what to expect coming into any of these shows, right? I know what I know what to expect coming into what if, but I don't know what to expect, like what the shows are gonna be about, like what themes they're gonna have. And this show, whatever expectations I did or didn't have, it's just consistently blowing them away. And I really have to give them I really have to give them credit because they know what they're doing. They know how to, and this isn't a criticism of any of the people that made the other two shows, but these people actually know how to do TV and TV is a different art form than movies. It just is like the wire wouldn't work as a movie. Game of Thrones wouldn't work as a movie. Like TV shows, you need to be more detail oriented. You need to have more shows are for character development which and we're going to be honest too i brought up they served as ends for means as movies but they developed characters like sam wilson they developed characters like bucky right they developed characters like wanda they developed hell vision got character development and he's going to be a different character when he comes back yeah right so we're gonna have like it served those ends but in terms of being actual shows, like shows that I'd want to go back to, right? Like I want to, I started The Wire again. I'm going to go back to The Sopranos at some point, but, and like Watchmen too. I'll throw Watchmen in there. Cause those Watchmen is a limited series. Like those first two were like shows I'd go back to. And the first two, which I wouldn't go back to, like, if I'm going to be hundred percent honest, yeah, this one, I, 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 I would either. I could see myself going back to Loki if they land the plane, if, yeah. if, if, but Yes. I think they will. Alex, any plugging for us? Wait, are we going to do winners and losers? Ah, shit. Forgot. Big winner. Who's your big winner? I'm going to say Sylvie was the big winner. And oh, it's definitely not Loki. It's definitely not Loki. Um, there's a lot of losers in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but Sylvie by far is the big winner. She's in a really advantageous position when the episode ends. I'll say Renslayer. Because although the cover is blown, it's not unsalvageable. Who's your big loser? Big loser, I'd have to go Loki. <laughs> Actually, I'd go Mobius. Yeah. Mobius, he's the character where he's close. He's okay. He's Ned Stark. Wow. He figures out what's going on, but because of people, you know in more advantageous positions than him he gets he gets killed spoiler alert but you know ned stark he's ned stark basically i'll i'll say mobius or no i'll say loki my my bad i'll say loki because he's about to pour his feelings out to this girl which he's never done before and then dies <laughs> massive l's being taken all over the place l wow <laughs> I think we also got a how in this episode. Now. We got a now? How? How? They're dancing around it. <laughs> fuck you, Kevin Feige, for not giving me the fan service that I want. The fan service that I want is just Odelson saying, wow. 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 <laughs> I'm going to have it. By week six, I'm feeling more and more comfortable with the impression. I'm going to uh, have it. I thought I was going to get 
Doctor Strange, Alex, and it never happened. Maybe it did happen. No, Maybe I'm saying edited it in later on, but I'm gonna get the impression down. I'm gonna get the impression oh, okay. down by, okay. by week six. I'll yeah, you will. I'll believe that. Uh, plugging he, he Alex. Like the... <laughs> plugging. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I was about to go on a tangent about Owen Wilson's accent. He doesn't really have much of one, but um, Power Hour last week was really. I did two. I did one with JD. I did one with uh, I did one with Dylan. Those were really fun. Um, he came up. JD came up with a new nickname for Bryce in that episode. Oh no. Um, should I say oh, it? No. Should I say it? Yeah, say it. Uh, JD called him trash takes on that episode. <laughs> um, he listened, you know, you saw, he listened to the, um, he listened to the insanity he from did. earlier in the he week did. and he was not, he was not too pleased. No, with some of the takes, but you know, I kind of talked to him. I tried to talk him off the ledge a little bit, but I couldn't get him to stop calling him trash takes. I tried Bryce. I tried, but it was I'll funny. Pick it, pick it now. Pick it. Bucks. I'm going bucks in seven. I'm going Bucks and seven. Okay. We don't know how Giannis will be, right? We're recording no. this on Sunday, July 4th. Happy uh, Independence Day. Um, it's Independence Day, as uh, Bill Pullman would say. Um, <laughs> I don't, we don't know how Giannis will play, but that last night was why you trade for Drew Holiday. Like, holy shit, what a game. Yes. yes. Like, Middleton is going to be the bigger story because he came out and had that third quarter. But when the Buck or when the Hawks were trying to like, and Cam Reddish had the Cam Reddish game yesterday, it didn't matter because Drew was getting to his spots and Drew was putting he put the dagger through the Hawks' heart, like not Middleton, Drew did. Yeah, and I, th- I thought that was you know he had twenty seven nine and nine with four steals, <laughs> like just an incredible performance from Drew Holiday. And it's going to be overshadowed by the fact, you know, the media seemingly doesn't want to give the Bucks any credit. Which <laughs> and is they, dumb. Like, you know, shout out to the Hawks. They had a great season. They're going to be a great team going forward. But this was the Bucks really have been mentally tough all postseason. So if Giannis is healthy, I would I think the Bucks will win for sure. But we don't know how he's going to be. And I think that's the main question going into the finals. You know, you know what I have to do. I have to go Suns and Six. I know you're going Suns and Six. <laughs> I know you're going Suns and Six. That's the least shocking thing. I'm assuming Caleb Lynn will be going Suns and Six as well. I'm assuming Bryce Shaddy will be going Suns and Four. Has anyone rode the Suns harder than your boy, Alex? No. I mean, listen, I under like <laughs> you have you believed in them during the regular season. I have to give you credit. I have also I, I did, but I have other reasons as well for rooting for the Suns. Yes, I know you have other reasons. You believed in them <laughs> enough in April, I, or like at the end of the regular season, to win the finals. So yes. I don't want you to lose the bet, but I also don't want my prediction to be wrong. So that's fair. <laughs> and then this week, last week also on the uh, the second power hour, we buried all the seventeen teams that have been eliminated on <laughs> a play under playoffs. <laughs> Because the Hawks hadn't been eliminated yet, but did you bury um, Dylan, my Pacers? We did bury the with, Pacers with dignity. We did. Um, we buried the Pacers. We buried the you know we buried every team. Dylan Hughes said the Lakers championship window might be closed. So I agree. It's not a bad take. It's pretty well reasoned and thought out. Now watch they get Mike Conley next summer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. Um, triple option pass is going to be on a hiatus. I think. 
we need to find out Ryan Gregory's living situation first before we can uh, get that show on the road. But um, I'm trying to think. Lynn Sanity. I don't know what Lin, what's going on with Lynn Sanity this week. We should try to get a battleground together this week. We should try to get a battleground. Should I get a battleground together? So let's, let's try to shoot for that because that'll be. Well, there's some tension in the air right now between JD and Bryce in particular. Absolutely. We need to get that on a podcast. <laughs> And we, they're, they're just going to yell at each other for an hour and a half. Bryce in his new studio. That's, oh, he has a new studio. Oh, hey. In his apartment. Bryce in his new studio. Folks, you love to see it. I'm trying to think of what else we need to plug. I think, oh, Divine Rhyme. Um, Sturgill Simpson month. I got the first episode last week. Next new episode will be out this week. Make sure you check that out. Um, and then I think cinema is the only thing we have left to plug. Yep. Furious 7 will be this week with... Um, I believe it is. I think you said Bryce and Devin. Bryce and Devin, yes. And then uh, the Paul Walker one, right? Yeah the the tear the tearful the tearful one. <laughs> so that'll def- that'll definitely be this week. And then uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Devin's favorite movie, will be featured. And then Boys in the Hood 30th anniversary with JD and Jamal. So those are all coming up. I also, to go back to the crying thing, I'm not going to lie. I cried during Toy Story 2. I cried during the... Uh, Which part? The Jesse part. Yeah. That part's a tearjerker. They did a really good job yeah. on that part. So, yeah. I think I mean, it's I everything. I cried during Inside Out, like I said on the pod. The bing bong scene. Bing bong, man. I cried too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's a good yeah. movie. A great movie. What are, they know how to get you. They really do. <laughs> All right, Alex. Well, thanks for coming on. This is another great one. This was a great episode. Thank you so much for having me. And as always, folks, thank you very much for listening.